I get it. In today's day and age, we are hard-pressed to find true journalists who don't interject their opinions into the stories they share and the content they post on social media. Well, mamas, I am here to tell you I have found one. Her name is Alyssa Ivinson, and Alyssa is currently the evening anchor for Fort Wayne, Indiana's number one television news station. It's called Wayne 15, and she has done it all. Anchoring, producing, investigative reporting, that list goes on and on and on. In fact, she has been doing it all for nearly 20 years. She is so darn good at her job. She's been nominated for over 20 Emmys and has won a slew of other awards from different broadcast associations all over the state. In fact, she was even named Best Reporter in Indiana by the Indiana Associated Press. I'm telling you, a girl has one heck of a resume. And with a resume like that, one might be thinking she's cozying up to the liberal left, because I know what we all think oftentimes about the media. Turns out, that's not the case. I don't actually know if she is a registered Democrat or a registered Republican. And folks, this is saying something because in full transparency here, Alyssa has been my personal BFF for over a decade. She is a true unbiased journalist, my friends. So let's get to know her here on the News Mom podcast. She changes diapers while changing minds. This is News Mom. Ivinson in the house. You are officially the first guest yeah. on the News Mom podcast. No pressure. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you're here because you've been in the local media for quite some time, nearly mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah. So you know the ropes. You are a true news mom. How on earth did you get into local TV? So I've actually wanted to be a reporter, anchor, journalist since I was 11. And uh, I would do little newscasts at home. And I saw Channel One News in um, in school. And they, it was this national broadcast that they would pipe into schools. And I tried out for it. So like in elementary school, you're talking, you saw this. Or yeah, school. well, it was in high school. Okay. Yeah. And I tried out for it and didn't make it. <laughs> but I had to to make this little look at him now look who's laughing now (laughs) right i showed you (laughs) that's right uh but i had to make this little like at-home newscast and you know send it in like a reporter what was your content for this oh goodness i don't remember (laughs) i don't remember that's probably on a vhs tape somewhere in a pile in my parents house yeah because it was on the camcorder you know oh yeah and uh and because they always had a student produced week and uh but i loved watching it and i went to ball state and uh pursued that career and then got hired at Wayne right out of Ball State. So I've been at Wayne 17 years now. So like I said, nearly 20 years. And I think this is really important to to point out for listeners. First and foremost, you're my best friend. Yeah, Um, right. We have been friends. (laughs) Disclaimer. Full transparency. (laughs) Disclaimer. Uh, You're my dearest friend. You have been for, I think, about over 10 years now. I was actually thinking before this show how long we've been friends. And I think it's been about a decade Mm -hmm. because I've known you a couple years longer than my husband. I've been married eight years. So I'm like, it's got to be around the 10 year mark that we've known each other. And what's so unique about you, Alyssa, you are a true unicorn in this media world. I know that people think in the media we're all supposed to be unbiased, Mm -hmm. um, which if you listen to my radio program, you know I'm not. But there's this illusion that we, you know, should be unbiased. But most people in the media are not. They have their bias. They have their hidden agendas and thoughts and what have you. But you truly are unbiased. We've been friends for over 10 years. And I don't know if you are a registered Democrat or a registered Republican. Quite frankly, I don't care either way. 
And we talk about everything. So I find it remarkable. You are the only person in my life, in my whole life, I don't talk politics with. Well, and I take the fact that you don't know my leanings um, to be a, a high compliment because I don't think that it's just, you know, an illusion. I think it's an ex expectation mm -hmm. of journalists to be unbiased in our reporting and in our presentation. And when I'm covering a political story, I go to great lengths to make sure that what I put on air is true to both sides' intentions mm -hmm. and is of equal time. I've gone to the lengths of timing how long one candidate speaks in their soundbite to give the other candidate wow, equal you're that time. Hardcore. I am because it is not my job to give my opinion mm -hmm. in the role that I have in local media. And my role is a little different than yours mm -hmm. in, a, in an unbiased newscast versus a talk radio program. I think that there are different expectations and different um, purposes and different opportunities that you have in how you tell the story. So for me, it, I don't I don't want to just appear unbiased. I am unbiased, and I do a very diligent job of trying to execute that. I hope people realize this. I mean, we talk about everything. We yeah. talk about bodily functions when you eat too much protein, for Pete's sake. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We share recipes, workouts, fashion advice. We talk about fights with our husbands. We talk about everything. And I'm telling you, we do not talk politics. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to emphasize that and put an exclamation point on that today because I do think you are a unicorn. I know tons of people in this business, and they all have their leaning one way or another. And, and again, they might not always come across on the air, but in their daily lives, they do. On the social media channels, they do. Yours do not do that. And mm -hmm. I think that is a remarkable quality. Do you ever have it where, because I know behind the scenes, there are other reporters and journalists and whatnot writing script copy. You are an anchor mm -hmm. over at Wayne. So a lot of times you get fed scripts that you did not write. Right. Does it ever happen to where a script comes across your desk or you're reviewing everything before you're about to do the five o'clock news and you're like, ooh, this has a little bit of a left-leaning tendency or a right-leaning tendency. And if so, do you have the liberty to change that and do you change that? Yes to all of that. Yeah. yeah. A loaded uh, question. So, yeah, we, we will read our scripts before the newscast. We'll go over it. And usually it's, um, okay, we have this angle, but we need the other side of that at least mentioned. So if it's a Democrat angle or a Republican angle uh, of someone in Congress saying something, then we need to hear from the other side of that, even if it's the next story or if it's the tag to the story or somehow to balance that out. Uh, so that's usually what I see most often. It's not a blatant, like, opinion piece. Um, Do you have to check with that reporter, though? Like, hey, Cindy, I'm going to change your intro to this package, to this story. And are they, like, does that happen? Do you have those conversations? Yeah, and I think that's a daily dialogue that we have with every story, not just political. Mm -hmm. And it's with reporters, it's with producers, and it's really a collaboration of, you know, how we stack the show, what stories we have in there, and how they're told, and making sure that it is fair and clear clear and inaccurate because you ultimately are the gatekeeper of what's coming out of your mouth right, right. I mean yeah. no one else I think a common question I get is you know someone always thinks there's like a, an Oz behind some hidden curtain down mm. the hallway here that's mm -hmm. pulling my strings or telling me what I can and cannot talk about which for the record is not true half the time I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth let alone my boss down the hall oh that's but, true yeah. of my chats yeah. I don't know okay. what I'm going to say <laughs> until I say it right right so is it the same for you over in TV I mean there's there's no Oz behind some hidden curtain and where you're at telling you 
you know, what you can and cannot report. Right. I wouldn't say that it's a what we can and cannot report. But like I said, it's a it's a conversation with everyone in the newsroom. We have a news meeting twice a day where we pitch story ideas and we all decide what we're going to cover that day. And sometimes there are stories that could wait until tomorrow. Sometimes there are stories that have to be done today. Uh, so there is more of a conversation of what we cover, um, but we're not being dictated by any one person or company line that says you have to do this or you have to say this. I think that's comforting for people to hear that and yeah. for people to know that there's not some big corporation out there pulling no. the strings because you're owned by Nexstar Broadcasting. So Correct. it's not like Nexstar, someone in the high up is saying you need to talk about this bill or talk about this particular product on the air or anything like that. Correct. We get none of that. Something that else that we have in common, and I think this is funny, is the fact that we, we go by multiple names. Um, because right. we both started our careers when we were single. We were not married. So we went by our maiden names, which mine is Blakesley. Yours is Ivinson, Ivinson which yeah. is what we both go by still to this day. Those are our on-air names, right. if you will. But your real name, your legal name, is Alyssa. Yeah. How, how, when you're in public, how do you present yourself? Are you Ivinson? Are you does it depend? How does your husband feel about that? Yeah, well, you just let the cat out of the bag for people who didn't know. I never oh, tell whoops, people sorry. my actual Spoiler name. Alert. <laughs> um, uh, now they know. Yeah. Uh, so, and my husband is well known in town too. He went to high school here, so a lot of people knew him, and uh, so a lot of people do know me by my other name. But uh, I just I thought the consistency of Ivanson. I had been Ivanson for so long, and that has really just become my on-air identity mm -hmm. and so I decided to keep that and it was for privacy reasons also until about 10 seconds ago yeah thanks for that <laughs> you know not to use that name this I tell you not to tell platform. this is a different platform does your husband was there ever like a, oh you're gonna go by Ivinson moment or conversation between you two uh, it might have been a brief conversation I don't think he uh, was really trying to influence me one way or the other mm -hmm. um but yeah, I, I don't really remember at this yeah. point. It might not have even been like a discussion as much of like he probably just I assumed just told him that yeah. yeah, I'm gonna stay Ivanson on TV. I remember when the conversation we, we had it in in my household with my husband, but I'm lucky because my husband also came from the radio world. He came from the media world, and my husband, for people who really really know him, actually his on air name was Stiller, and that's what he went by for mm -hmm. for decades. In our wedding vows, I still called him Stiller. I still do to this day sometimes. So he he already kind of understood the hey, that's your brand. That's like you said, your identity on the air. Legally, I changed my my last name to Aloff, which is now my legal last name, but I still go by my maiden name right. too on the air. But I always do find, you know, when you go out and you make a dinner reservation or you're introducing yourself to someone new, I'm always like, I, to this day, I'm like, I don't know which last name to use in this capacity. <laughs> right. And, and for me, it's kind of like, why am I there? Am I there because I'm Alyssa Ivinson with Wayne 15? Or am I there because I'm just yeah. Alyssa in my private life? Yeah. But it's funny how people react to that sometimes because they're like, oh, that's not the name that you use on yeah. TV or that, you know, then there's that conversation. I had someone check my ID for like a credit card or something in a store once. And she goes... Do you have a twin sister who works at Wayne? <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's me. But I'm like, yeah, we're yeah. twins, and we're both named Alyssa. Alyssa. That's yeah, that's the weird. Yeah, that's, that's weird. the common part. <laughs> yeah, we both have the exact same name, not but Alyssa like, and Amanda. But for like the privacy aspect of it, I had a. a a package delivery driver once uh, bring a package, and it was not my 
normal name on television. It wasn't Ivinson because it was going to my home. And then he saw him and he's like, oh, you're Alyssa Ivinson on TV. And it's like, well, now you know where I live. Yeah. So that's a big part of why I don't want Ivinson on all my mail and all of my packages because everybody would know now where I live. And for 99% of people, that's not a big deal. It's fine. But there is that 1% reality of there are some people who might not like a story I did or might just want to not necessarily cause harm, but it's just, you know, you have to be a little careful of that, especially, you know, with a child. Absolutely. And, um, I so. run into that a lot. I know we have actually shared stories of things that have happened to us because people do find out who we are and not so much necessarily where we live, but just being out in public in general, because you get recognized a lot, don't you, in public? Yeah, pretty frequently. I get recognized usually by my voice. I don't usually mm-hmm. get recognized by how I look, but once I open my mouth and I start talking, then people are like, oh, are you that Kayla from, from WoWo? And the, you know, obviously yeah. guilty. I can't really hide that. More people recognize me with my voice than you might think, really? too, even though it's television. It, well, if you think about how do you watch the local news, a lot of people are listening to the local news. Yeah, that's true. Because they have it on. They'll turn and look when you know they can. But they got on while they're making dinner. They're making dinner. Laundry, the kids yep. are running around. They're doing a lot of things. So... My voice and my laugh gives me away. Oh, your laugh. You can hear that laugh from a mile away. There it is. You can hear yeah, it. it gets loud. It gets loud. Speaking of kids running around, so you have a little girl. Yes. Uh, she is nine months younger mm-hmm. than my little girl. And, and I don't know if this has happened to you or not. We've actually not talked about this. I said we talked about everything, but we've not talked about this. You know I'm not naturally an empathetic person. Right. I know that's not a strength of mine. I'm well aware, working on it. Um, but I also feel like, to some degree, that's what allow, has allowed me, through my career, to be successful in it. Because mm-hmm. I haven't got overly attached to stories. I don't always feel a lot of the stories that come across the desk. However, ever since having a child... I've become way more of an empathetic person, more mm-hmm. so than I ever thought I would ever be. So the way I, I, I view stories and tell stories and feel stories yeah. has changed dramatically. Has that happened to you? But you, you are, I should preface that you are a way more empathetic person naturally than I am. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I think there definitely has been a little bit of a change, a little bit of a shift. I've always been good at boxing those emotions when I'm working, when I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been told before that some people view kind of the media as the fourth responders, if you will. So when we're responding to a crime scene and we have to report on some really horrible details of something that happened, there's police, fire, paramedics who are also working and doing their jobs in seeing and treating some really horrible, Mm -hmm. difficult things to process. And then we have to say all of those horrible, difficult things. So I've been good at reporting facts and not letting me think, okay, this was someone's son or daughter or mom or grandma. This was a woman was killed in a crash today. It happened at this time. This is how it happened. And then I don't fully process all of that information. So that has allowed me to do my job because if you overly emote every story, you'd cry through the whole newscast and you can't do that either. So you have to have that level of professional capacity. And it's not, I don't want to say it's a veil because I'm, I also cry on air. People have seen that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, I don't um, hide my emotions, but we can't just overly fall apart with every sad story. That being said, since having Chloe, stories that involve a child and a child who maybe passes or abuse or things that would have been horrific to me before, but I can just say that is awful. I can't believe somebody would do that. Now are a little more just like rip 
the inside of my gut yeah. out and I'm because I can picture that happening to Chloe mm -hmm. or I can especially if it's someone around that age so I imagine that this will also progress as she gets older because anything that you can so intimately connect to something in your own life an 18 month old okay I know that that's, you know, not an infant, not a full kid, you know, whatever We're that is. We're in a weird phase. Our kids aren't quite <laughs> full-on toddlers yet, but almost. <laughs> yeah, Chloe turns two uh, in, in March. But before Chloe, it's just kind of this vague mm -hmm. vision of, like, a little person. But now it's like, oh, no, she can do this and this. She's so smart. She can say words. She can—it just— brings a whole nother level of understanding of what those different ages are and, and the person behind that age. So, yeah, I think that um, I definitely react to some stories differently now you having children. Do try to children. avoid them? See, I, I'm lucky where I, again, I get to kind of pick and choose on a regular basis. I'm not like you. I don't have to meet with the whole team right. and discuss my lineup or rundown for the day. I find myself, and I'm admitting it, that I actually try to avoid mm -hmm. a lot of those stories. I don't even want to talk about them because, again, they're they're so horrifying. And my little girl will be three in June. Yeah. And prior to, you know, three years ago, I would have had probably, this sounds sick, but really no problem talking about it. And they wouldn't even have, I wouldn't have thought twice about right. talking to them. Where now I'm like, nope, slide them off to the next person. Someone else can deal with it. Yeah. You, you don't have that luxury though, do you? No. And uh, and I don't think that I would do that because I, I still can compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. I can still say, no, I have a job to do right now. And then I can deal with the emotion of it later off air after the newscast. Um, the... The one that sticks out in my mind the most is the little boy who was found in a suitcase yeah. in southern Indiana. And the family had provided a picture of him. And so Dirk was actually reading the story. So, Dirk is your co-anchor. Uh, yes, Dirk, Wayne, right? Dirk Rowley is my co-anchor. So Dirk was reading the story, and I'm you know waiting for my next story. But... I can see the graphic and hear him reading the story. And that was worse than me reading it because if I'm reading it, I'm not necessarily able to look at all the video that's running or all the pictures that are there because I'm reading the words from the teleprompter. I'm focusing on delivering it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying the words that are the facts, but then receiving it is actually harder yeah. um, and hearing him tell the story just like everyone at home you know I'm a viewer in that moment and and that was probably I, that stands out the as the most difficult since having Chloe well like you said it'll be interesting as we raise our girls and as they get older how those feelings progress mm -hmm. as they get older with those stories right if we'll find once they're teenagers, if stories about teens impact us harder than maybe they would have. Right. I'm not necessarily looking forward to discovering that as our girls get older. Right. Uh, well, and it's not just tragedy and death, but it's school stories. Yep. It's daycare stories. It's social media stories. It's all of these things that affect parents that now we have almost just a different vested interest in telling those stories than we did prior to being in the group of parents affected by it. Well, hence this show. And I don't know about, about you, but I cannot believe Believe. Again, my daughter's two and a half. She's almost three. There's a part of me that cannot believe this is the world that I get to raise her in. You just said it. Uh, big tech, social media is a huge one to me. I think big tech, unregulated, unfiltered. We've let 
you know, the genie out of the bottle and can't get him back in. And I think his story is revolving around education. And no, I'm not going to get into politics with you because I respect that about you and wouldn't do that, unlike your last name, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all of these stories that we see come across our desk. Is there a part of you that this surprised? Because you've seen stories for almost 20 years coming across your desk. Have you seen a change in the landscape? And does it surprise you now that you have to raise your daughter in such a world as this? I don't know. I don't really feel like it surprises me. Um, I did a, a big series on sex trafficking years ago now. I remember that. And uh, and grooming and social media and, and the dangers of it were a giant part of that mm-hmm. um, years ago. And so those dangers are still here today. And whether that manifests into full sexual tra- um, sex trafficking is different than just are they talking to someone they shouldn't even Mm -hmm. if they're not in danger of being abducted who are they talking to what are Mm -hmm. they talking about and how do you regulate that and i think that that is definitely a scary water to have to charter yeah it's it's definitely (laughs) scary water to navigate and i think because too when you look to your parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles right we we always try to glean some wisdom from those who have walked before us but it's it's hard to glean some wisdom especially when it comes to social media right because their generation didn't have to deal with that no i got my first cell phone when i was 16 years old and it was to be able to you know call my parents Mm -hmm. if i had trouble driving home from school or something like that it was the nokia brick phone <laughs> I remember. and the only thing you could do on it other than make a phone call was play the snake oh game. yes oh yes i remember <laughs> mine was um do you remember nextel that had the walkie talkies no that's what i had i could walkie talkie my mom which was a blessing and a curse to be oh, with sure. your friends and then your mom walkie talkies in. honey did you remember to pack clean underwear <laughs> not really she didn't ever say that to me but it was but a still. blessing and a curse but still and then i and then i upgraded to the nokia and got the snake game and thought yeah. you know i was all that in a bag of chips yeah but yeah so it's the To me, the world has changed the landscape of it, especially when it comes just from our parents and our grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I do find, unfortunately, which I do get a lot of wisdom and advice from my parents and from my family. But when it does come, at least to social media particularly, it's like my mom, my dad are like, well, we can't really help you out there. The baby stage, they can definitely have more input on and and how did they handle tantrums and how do they handle this? And I think up until, you know, age five or six, it's probably very similar. Even that, I would say to my mom, I said, you know, how do you deal with sleep regressions? Do you remember potty training me? She goes, oh, honey, that was 30 plus years ago. I don't remember any of that. I blacked out. I blacked it all (laughs) out. I'm like, mom, come on. You can't help me with social media. You can't help me with potty training. Is that hope for us that we'll just black out and then in 30 years we'll forget it it all? Maybe, maybe that's. That's how it works. I hope so. Maybe. We haven't uh, started par- potty training yet, and I'm terrified of it. I'll tell you what. We just did potty training. I'll pay training. you to come do it. I will come do it. I will do it, and I will do it in three days. I did the three-day potty training boot camp, and maybe this is my own fault. I shared it on social media. Yeah. On my social media channels, which, by the way, I've never gotten such a response on anything. And mind mm. you, I talk politics for a living. Then I got on potty training, and I would say 80% of the feedback I got was all really good, and it was all questions, and 
so many people have questions about yes. potty training their kiddos. And this three-day boot camp, I know it's kind of trendy right now and really popular. Right. And I thought, does this really work? Well, I'm here to tell you. At least it did for my kiddo. I know every kid's different, but it did for mine. But what I couldn't believe is just people coming at me from a political point. She's too young. She's too old. Yep. You can't do this. You can't wear those kinds of underwear. They're not environmentally friendly. Like, right. I'm just, just like, whoa, people. Yep. I'm potty training a two-and-a-half-year-old here. Do we need to make it political? I get that with Chloe. Chloe photos on my Facebook page blow up. I can post about news. I can post about me. <laughs> and people funny? sort of maybe care. One Chloe photo, and it's like thousands. You know what, though? Because it makes you human. I think yes. sometimes, you she's really cute. Yeah, A, she's really cute. But B, it also makes you human. You're yes. not just some robot sitting on the other side of the TV right. reading a teleprompter. Right. Which sometimes, unfortunately, I think is how members of the media get perceived. Absolutely. And the the biggest, I guess, gripe that now people are starting to have is that she still uses a pacifier. Oh, and I remember. Yeah. I understand that, you know, ideally you take it away at 18 months, but you come st stand with my kid <laughs> when she's screaming in the middle of the night because she wants her passy. So we'll get there. She's not going to have it in kindergarten. Right. It's fine. She's not going to be 18 sucking on a pacifier. We're She'll okay. Be fine. We're yeah. okay. That's the thing you know about being a mom. And, and it's better than the thumb, by the way. Yes. From speech pathologists, dentists, everybody. A pacifier is still better than the thumb. And it's easier to break than the thumb. So... Ugh. You know, I'll pick my battles. Yeah, we uh, we also did the pacifier. We did the little baby Frida, the five-step pacifier. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. also worked for us. Sure. I don't know. I, everyone's different. Every kid is different. I saw this super cute thing on social media. There we go, social media. Yep. But they did a um, a burial for a pacifier. Oh, I've seen and that. And then the next day, a bunch of like cake pops grew. Yep, I've and seen so that. super cute. But then it was like, hey, just cold turkey. Hey, we said goodbye to them, remember? Please tell me you're going to do it. I don't know, maybe. But... <laughs> You'll have to come back if you do that and <laughs> yeah, let us know how it yeah, went. Maybe. I've also seen that you go to Build-A-Bear and you take the Passy and in place of the heart for like the Build-A-Bear stuffed animal, yeah. you put in the Passy. So it's like your kiddo can still oh, carry around yeah. the stuffed animal with them knowing Passy's in there. Right. But again, kind of a cold turkey concept. Right. I don't know. I wasn't that creative. I just went for the $20, like, yeah, baby the snip. Frida. Which you can also just snip your actual ones and, like, kind of recreate that. I wasn't but... that smart. I, I, bought, <laughs> I spent the $20. What can I say? Um, do, you, do you wake up every morning now feeling like you have to achieve certain expectations with your body or with Chloe because you are in the media? I mean, you just said it. People are coming at you for the pacifier and... Lord knows whatever else, but I can only imagine because I know what kind of scrutiny I feel like I faced, at least with my body physically during pregnancy, after pregnancy, and I'm not even on television. That boggles my mind mm -hmm. because I'm like twice your size, like normally. And we're and, both beautiful. Right. Yes. Everybody <laughs> is beautiful. But... So, I mean, you were adorable pregnant Thank and you. you did not gain very much weight. And so I can't believe that people were body shaming you. I got and a lot of body shaming. And what's, what's interesting is most of it comes from women. Yes. I would think, just if I had to guess, I'd be like, oh, it's the men, you know? Mm -hmm. But no, it was mostly from women. And I, I've... I find that really disappointing, actually. It makes my heart yeah. stink a little bit, or at least it did back then. Right. Now I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I'm just trying to navigate these scary waters over here to the best of my ability. By <laughs> right. the way, had my baby girl during COVID, during a global pandemic, and you want to talk to me about my waistline? Did you, you not deal with much of that? I really didn't. Um, Good. And, and, and my heart hurts for you that you did, because that is just awful. Um, I... First of all, I loved being pregnant, and I know many women do <laughs> I <hated> not. It. <laughs> I was very fortunate. 
told you she's a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I was very fortunate, though. I was never sick. Yeah. And uh, I love not having to suck in your gut for pictures. <laughs> you didn't have to wear the spanks. Like, nope. You're like, yep, this is my belly. Yep. And it's out. <laughs> so your little shelf to put your peanuts on it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, so I was very fortunate that my feedback was always, oh, you look so cute. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I mean, every day on TV, you would see my, my you know, pregnancy grow. Yeah. And, and I think that's another reason I think people feel so connected to Chloe is because they watched my yeah. whole pregnancy. So it really was like we were all in this together. Um, and I have had a lot of viewers give me great advice and be very kind. And the few negative comments I've had were actually from males. Really? And okay. I posted a picture wishing everybody happy Christmas and like happy new year. And uh, like it was the year ender. This would have been two years ago now. So okay. Chloe was not yet a year. So I was under a year postpartum and he told me to find a treadmill. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Jerk. Which luckily people come at him. Yeah. yeah you don't even <laughs> you know, need to defend yourself. I don't even yourself. need to do it because yeah. other people do it for me. Yeah. Which is also very much appreciated. Uh but I think that losing the baby weight was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, I'm still not quite to my pre-pregnancy weight. I'm like two pounds away. Uh, Let's call it you're there. We can call it okay. you're there. Okay. That's just a little, you know, you need to go use the enough. bathroom. You're it's close, close enough. enough now. Yeah. It's close enough. Okay. We'll take it. We'll take it. But breastfeeding also was much more difficult yeah. for me. And I just had so many friends who were great breastfeeders and lost all the weight immediately because of breastfeeding. And so I just thought that, oh, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what will be my journey. And that just was not true for me. And so that was difficult for me to navigate just with my own psychology yeah. and my own expectations not being met. But I wasn't, I did not feel bombarded by other people because that of my position. That is not what I thought you were going to say. Because I've actually thought a lot about this too. I, I got to th- thinking about, man, that would have just totally sucked having to get up because I work mornings too which yeah. misery loves company and we'd be up at three o'clock in the morning texting or what have you and the moment I didn't think about it for you but in, you know seven months pregnant which you just said you didn't really have much morning sickness or anything like that but yeah you still have to be beautiful yeah and presentable I work in radio I can come in here in a ball cap and a pair of joggers if I want to so it's really not as big of a deal which is maybe why I got more criticism than you <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm I'm actually surprised in a really good positive way that you really didn't deal with a lot of that. No, I, I'm so used to doing hair and makeup, and I started one day to sort of guesstimate like how much of my life will have been spent doing hair and makeup, and I stopped because oh, I really don't want to know. Where, I mean, it's a it's lot. Gotta be years, right? Oh, it's yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, it's years. Well, I've been doing this 17 years. Yeah. So by the time that I was pregnant, the hair and makeup was the normal part. Mm -hmm. So it didn't affect me by like, oh, I'm pregnant. I don't want to get ready. It was like, well, this is just part of my job description. I was just going to say, because it is part of your job description, because let's face it, you cannot show up wearing a ball cap and joggers like I can. Is it like part of your working day getting ready? Yes, it is. Yeah, I show up with my hair not done and no makeup, and then I get ready at work. And and that's one of the top questions that I get is if people, if we have hair and makeup people, and we do not. And what I always say is, if I look good, I get the credit, and if I look bad, it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that being a common question because a lot of 
even local media outlets do have hair and makeup, but you do not. No wonder you've gotten so good at it. If there's any local in Fort Wayne who have hair and makeup people coming, that's think news in to Wayne, me. But I've got some friends who work in other markets. You have like, to be decently high market. Um, Indianapolis had it for a little while, and I think they don't anymore. Uh, and they're like t- they're 25 market in television for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. There's around like 200 what television markets. Wayne? We're 111 in okay. Fort Wayne, and number one is you know New York, then L.A., Chicago, sure. Dallas. So it goes by number of people who can watch. That's yeah. how the, the markets are Radio is the exact same thing, but by yeah. number of people who, who can, can listen. listen. Were you ever fearful? This is, I had this. While you're pregnant, you're on the air, you're doing your thing. Were you ever fearful or worried your water would break on the air? Sure. Well, I worked um, right up until my due date. And I was I was worried about that. And at the very beginning, I was worried that I would get sick uh, because I didn't know that I was going to have a, a pretty good pregnancy. Mm-hmm. When you're first pregnant, you're just like, well, people get morning you're sickness. You're like, brace for the worst. Yeah. yeah. And so Pat Hoffman, my co-anchor on the morning show on First News, he kind of was always a little bit on like standby of like, I might run out of here puking at any <laughs> moment, just so you know, um, which Pat Hoffman is now dealing with another pregnant co-anchor. Emily Dwyer oh gosh, is pregnant. Right. They're expecting an August. So, so excited yeah. for them. Uh, but I had to tease Pat a little bit that it's like, man, all of your co-workers, we just go off and Always get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> my, water, my water did break on the air. However, um, I'm like you, I worked right up till my due date. I was working from home because it was during lockdown. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as crazy, but I will say me and the fellas here in studio, we had had a plan that mm-hmm. if it did happen, here's the two people that would leave to take Kayla. Like, here's how we would handle the show. So we did kind of have a plan in place. It was just luckily I was at home. The guys were all back here in the studio. And I remember saying, coming out of the, the commercial break, and I'm full on contractions. I mean, I'm having a hard time breathing. You know what that feels yeah. like, you know? And I'm like... Um, I hope you guys are listening back there in the studio down south because I lived up north at the time. I'm like, I'm pretty sure my water just broke. (laughs) Congressman Jim Banks, a local congressman here, was about to join me on the air. So I said at the time, our anchor's name was Darren. I said, Darren, I'm hoping you're ready to step up and have this conversation because I got to go. But that was a big fear of mine, like making sure we had a plan in place for if that did happen. Right. I ended up deciding that I worked up until my due date and then I decided to take off early. So I just used up some, you know, vacation days waiting for baby. So uh, my water actually did break, which a lot of women's water don't break yeah. just like out in public before they get to the hospital. Yeah, you, which, what a big misconception, right? Yeah. You always and see it's in the not movies. like the movie. Yeah. It's like a big like old a full water glass room. of water. You know, yeah. that's yeah. not how it happens. Which I'm sure for some people that might be their journey, but uh, my water did break. I was, quick little story, I was at um, an event for Young Lives. So it's with um, teen moms and I had brought a whole bunch of my clothes and like garage sale type items and it was a free garage sale for them. So they could go through all of my clothes, shoes, bags, houseware stuff, take whatever they want. And we're cleaning up and I had yoga pants on and I'm like, my yoga pants feel a little wet. Mm-hmm. And so I go to the bathroom and uh, it's getting real time here. I smelled it mm-hmm. because that's what you do. And I'm like, right. that is, n- I did not pee my pants. That right. is it's, my it's waterless broke. for people it is who odorless. don't know yes. It is yeah. odorless. That's how you can tell the <laughs> yes. difference. And so when I went to the hospital, I actually was barely dilated. And they questioned me if my water had actually broken. She, the doctor thought I didn't know what I was talking about. But they tested it and it, and it was yep. amniotic fluid. And I'm like, see, yep, the same. I know my body. Very similar <laughs> thing happened with me. So I thought, again, same situation. I was wearing sweatpants because I'm working from home. Yeah. I was like, this this doesn't feel right. 
And during that commercial break that I wasn't sure, I mind yeah. you, I have two-minute commercial breaks. I ran upstairs. My husband was also working from home. And I, I made him say, TMI, smell it. I'm yeah. like, I got nothing here. You get nothing? He goes, I'm getting nothing, honey. And I'm like, okay, let me run back down, <laughs> get out of this break, and we, we'll, we'll make a move on. Same thing. Had to go there. Had to have it tested. Yeah. Turns out I wasn't crazy. Right. It was Mine was like slowly leaking, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there we have it. Mine technically broke on the air, and I will forever have that audio clip, which yeah. maybe I'll have to share it that that happened. Yeah, that's great. My last and final topic I really wanted to hit home with you, and this was a big one for me, is being a stay-at-home mom yeah. or going back to work. Yeah. And we are very similar in this regard. We are both career-driven women. We have known from really young ages that we always wanted to be in broadcast. We have worked our tails off to be where we are. And then, you know, all of a sudden we get pregnant. And I was also bombarded with the, oh, so you're going to stay home, right? Uh, And Uh. I think a lot of conservative Christian women, which is a a big part of my listenership on my show, that is kind of the expectation is that they are going to stay home and— raise their children. And I 100% actually believe that's the greatest job in the world that you can have, also the hardest job, raising the next generation. So I have the utmost respect for women who do stay home to raise their kiddos. But did you go through that push and pull? I mean, obviously you're back at Wayne doing your thing. Chloe's almost two. Yeah. But did you have that moment of, I want to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom? I definitely had thought about it. And especially at the beginning of maternity leave, I thought... I could do this. This yeah. is great to just get to focus on taking care of the child and the house. And But then I just, I don't think that that is in the heart of my personality and I like to be busy. And like you said, I've been doing this for 17 years, you know, 15 at the time that I was making that decision. And then I think that there there's our plan and then there's God's plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took me 18 months to get pregnant with Chloe and we were very frustrated and didn't know why we got some testing done and I was okay. He was okay. And I'm thinking, okay, then why is it not happening? God, why is it taking so long? <laughs> right. Uh, but then when she came, it was past COVID enough that John could be with me in the hospital. It was the, we were building a house at the time, and so moving in and then being able to set up a nursery, it would have been crazy to, if she mm-hmm. came earlier. And so on. in hindsight, there are all these reasons mm-hmm. why we're like, okay, God, I see you. Yeah. I have to remember to have that faith that it's so easy to say yeah. and so hard to execute. And his timing was right. And similarly, uh, Tara Brantley was our main anchor at the time that I went on maternity leave when I was working mornings, and she decided to move on in her career and take a different path and, and go to the Urban League. And her last day was literally one week before, or one week after my maternity leave was going to end. Wow, I didn't and, realize the timing of that. And that option wasn't even on the table when I left for maternity leave. So that presented itself to coincide exactly with when I was deciding what was right for my life and my career. And, um, you know, being the, the main anchor of a station is what you're kind of programmed to, to yeah, that's shoot for yeah, that's the dream. Uh, within our industry. And and I was, you know, thrilled to have that opportunity. And then 
Wayne has been fantastic, and uh, I'm in a new role now where instead of anchoring the 5, 6, and 11, I anchor the 5 and 6, but I come in earlier in the day to work on special projects. And that's one thing that I think I'm good at in this career is telling longer form stories, mm -hmm. the, the emotional stories, and this shift allows me to do that. I also have worn a producer hat for years. When I first started at Wayne, I was a producer reporter. So I would be the one putting shows together. So now I put together our big shows when we're out at Fort for Fitness and the Three Rivers Festival Parade and the big special shows that you see. I'm putting all of that together. So you're kind of a hybrid. So maybe yes. a unicorn isn't the right word. You're a hybrid. <laughs> well, this is kind of a unicorn position. <laughs> That's true. There's not, I don't think there's many of those that exist, especially if Wayne kind of created it for you. Yeah. But man, uh, the book Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and that could not mm -hmm. be truer for your life. Yes. I'd like, like you, all those things just slowly fell into place. And I know it took you a while to get pregnant. You said 18 months. Yeah. Would you label that infertility? What, what would you, I mean, because I know it's a little bit of a struggle. I don't even know if struggle is really the right word to use. What would you call that? Right. And, and for people who truly have infertility issues, I would not feel comfortable calling our experience infertility. Uh, generally, doctors will say that anything less than a year is, you know, fast, and it should take around a year to get pregnant. Yeah. That is totally within the realm of normalcy. Now, I have endometriosis, and I was treated for that years ago. That is when the uterine lining is growing outside of your mm -hmm. uterus, and that can cause infertility if it grows on your ovaries and fallopian tubes and things like that. So I was a little bit of a high risk um, with that respect. We didn't think that it was causing issues when I had my surgery uh, years ago. It was not on any of my reproductive organs but it changes and grows and we don't know what it's doing in there. So my doctor allowed me to get some tests done sooner than a year because of that. And so we tested my tubes and they were open. And so we knew that I wasn't the issue. And uh, my husband got tested as well and his numbers all came back fine. So then it really was like, okay, then what's going on? Mm -hmm. We did do one round of IUI, which is... Um, I call it a bus ticket. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> We're just helping it get to where yeah. it needs to go. Uh, but it is not IVF. IVF is when you take the egg out and then you fertilize and then re-implant re it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that round of IUI actually did not work. And I was very discouraged after that because I thought that that was going to be the, the magic pill that we needed. Mm -hmm. But then the, the next magic month. magic school bus. Yeah, the magic school bus. There you go. Uh, but then the next month is when, you know, I had thrown everything out the window. <laughs> it was very frustrated. <laughs> and of course, that is when we get pregnant. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so they I, say that's how it works. That's that, right. Yeah. I know. They say that. I know. And, and for anyone that really knows you, that's a big deal for you to just be like, all right, whatever, <laughs> to relinquish the control. To give up control. Yeah, that's, yes, It I only know. took her 18 months to figure that out, to, right. to have a baby. <laughs> well, so we're trying for our second now, and uh, it's been about a year again. And so I started out with the, I'm not going to try to control it thinking like okay it worked last yeah, time right. so we're gonna Flip start the there yeah. we're gonna start there but uh that hasn't worked so i don't know what what our next steps are, are gonna be yet but it's been about a year now i really thought second child would be easier Easy. I've, they, I've heard yeah, from a lot of too. people it's like your body with the first one is kind of jolted back into like oh yeah this is what i do this is how it's supposed to work and uh, then the second and you know subsequent could be fine we just want to uh so yeah, so we'll see what our journey is. If you is. have to, do you think you'll go through this 
working versus staying home thing again? Do you foresee yourself playing that out again? Gosh, you know, it's so hard to predict um, how you feel in the Mm -hmm. moment. I could say yes, that I would debate it again now and then be, you know, in the moment, be totally opposite. And I could also say no. I think I've decided that I want to be a working mom and it's working for us right now, which I do want to say all of this works because John, my husband, Chloe's dad, is so supportive and is so amazing. And he is such a wonderful daddy. And he picks her up from school and he has her until I get home at 7, 730. Mm -hmm. And so... He takes her to school in the mornings, and he is very much involved and very much is why I'm able to do what I'm doing. And so it is so much of a partnership that I couldn't have the career and be still fulfilling my childhood dreams alone. I say that all the time, that men are such an important part of the family unit. My husband's also the reason why I can, quote, have both or do both, have yeah. the career and be a mom right. and be a wife, be a friend, all the things. My husband, similar to yours, he plays dad every morning by himself because I'm here to our studios by 4 a.m. Right. So he gets up with her. He gets her ready for school, packs all the things, signs all the forms, does, you know, does all that and then drops her off. I pick her up from daycare just because I'm done around noon. But. I'm with you. I don't I don't know if I'd be able to have all or do it all. I think that is kind of a pet peeve I have with the mainstream media, not the local media, the mainstream media, is that they do kind of deceive and, and tell women or make women think they can't do it all mm-hmm. or they can't have it all or that they are the problem right. if they can't have it all. And I think that's wildly unfair and wildly untrue. I do think women can have it all. You and I are proof. But the important piece of that puzzle is the man, is the husband, is the dad to be a part of that family unit. And I actually really want to get more into that coming up here on the News Mom podcast. We're going to get into all kinds of things. Alyssa mentioned it. Social media, infertility, hormones, birth control. I can't wait to pop on to that topic. But before Alyssa runs, I don't know that I've also ever asked you this question either. Uh Uh-oh. If you didn't do news, what would you do? Oh, I have a long list. Oh, okay. I got all the time in the world. We can go episode two if you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alyssa's next career. Uh, I I love flowers. I love arranging flowers. If you know me, you know I always oh, yes. have a vase of fresh flowers in my house, at least one. Uh, and so it's I, more like twenty. Let's be honest. <laughs> I would love to own a floral shop or something along those lines. Uh, be a florist. Uh, that's on my list. Event planning. I love. I was waiting for doing, that one. You yes. can throw one heck of a party. That's for sure. That's I love for all sure. the little details yeah. and and making it fun and special. Uh, the downside to that is similar to a downside in a lot of news shifts is when are most events and parties weekends nights and, and nights, weekends. Yep. So that um, realty actually be a real estate. I agent. did not know that one. I had you pegged for florist and I had you pegged for event planner. And you probably have me pegged for the offshoot of real estate agent. So I love houses. Interior design. Interior yeah. design. Ding ding ding. Uh, I would love to. Be an interior decorator uh i think spending other people's money to decorate a room would be fantastic <laughs> that's the way to do it that's what, it's way more fun when it's not your money yeah right because all it's just always my money decorating my rooms uh so i would love to be an interior designer uh voiceover work i could do i would love to just do you know fun kind of 
on-air hosting work, something along those lines that's maybe not just news. So I have a very long list. And you weren't kidding. It is quite lengthy. Uh, but I <laughs> think I like. you are more than capable and would be great at all of those things. I met what I said when we started this. You're truly a unicorn. Aww. You are my bestest of friend. Thanks for being guest number one. Yeah. You killed it. You crushed you know, it. You know in my heart I love being number one. So <laughs> Exactly. We wouldn't have it any other way. That's Alyssa Ivinson at Wayne 15 here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. After hearing Alyssa's story, if there's one takeaway that you have from this episode, I hope that it's optimism, that there are reporters and journalists out there, award-winning ones, who are unbiased like Alyssa. I actually now take great comfort in knowing that. You know, the other day, someone actually asked me how I would define myself, if I would define myself as a journalist and or, you know, a host or, or what have you, because in my day job, I do host a news talk conservative radio program Monday through Friday out of Northeast Indiana. And I responded to this person by saying, you know, five, six years ago, I probably would have defined myself as a journalist. But because on social media and because of the way I handle news stories and topics during my radio program, and because I am pretty vocal about my right leanings, I don't think it's appropriate to label myself a journalist. By the way, I define myself as a personality. So truly, I hope today that you take comfort that there are journalists and reporters and anchors out there in the broadcast world who are not swayed by their politics. Alyssa is truly a unicorn. I know there are not many reporters or journalists like her out there in today's day and age, but take comfort, take note that there are still some good ones out there who do exist, who are sharing and telling our stories. If you are so far enjoying the News Mom podcast, I know we're still relatively young and new and raw and have a long way to go, but please subscribe to the News Mom podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. That is the most important thing that you can do for me and for all of us making this News Mom podcast possible. I... I am not hidden behind some crazy paywall that a lot of podcasts, including conservative ones um, out there, are hidden behind. So the best way that you can show support for me and what we're doing here on the News Mom podcast is by subscribing to us on iTunes and giving us a five-star rating. It would be greatly appreciated. Until the next time, this is the News Mom podcast. She stirs mac and cheese while stirring the political pot. This is News Mom.